And how about some applause for the greatest middle distance runner ever here at Sacramento State and the best half miler in the history of this conference, Leo Wallace, clearly the class of the field in the final 50 meters, the senior for the Hornets, a very impressive solo performance, putting that meet record out of sight at 204.36, and we'll see where that rounds to. Welcome to Athletes Interrupted candid discussions about the challenges, grit, and resilience of current and former collegiate athletes as they entered and exited both the academic and athletic world of college and collegiate sports. The accounts were recorded on campus by students and faculty, creating a candid look into their personal stories and experience. The interviews were conducted by Dr. Joyce Michael Flynn, currently a professor at Sacramento State, and Bethany Crouch, student, athlete, and academic success coordinator at the university. Leah graduated from Sacramento State University in 2011 with a degree in nutrition and is one of the most decorated athletes in school history. She's also considered to be the greatest 800-meter runner in Big Sky history, ranking number 11 on the Big Sky Conference list of the 25 greatest female athletes. Leah was the recipient of the Big Sky Conference's prestigious Scholar Athlete Award and went on to compete as a professional athlete for Nike Track and Field through two Olympic cycles setting an American record with her relay team. So, Leah, thanks so much for joining us today as a former Hornet student-athlete, first-generation college student, and coming back to work in Sacramento State Athletics and mentor athletes. You have just this great perspective, and we're so excited to interview you today. Thank you, Bethany. It's so great to be here. Can take us through maybe how you got into sport and how that eventually evolved and led to competing at the collegiate level? Yeah, I look at my life. I am amazed every day at how every piece of my life has shaped who I am as an athlete and how I'm relating to the athletes now. I grew up in foster care. My parents adopted me when I was five years old. My mother was a drug addict and um, she abandoned me. So I ended up in the foster care system. So I know a lot about that, which some of our athletes even now are coming out of. And so teaching them how to transition into the collegiate system. That's something I, you know, I didn't choose for myself, but it was just a part of my journey. My parents were great and they just exposed me to a lot of different activities and sports. And for me, running was what showed where I shined in all of my sports. I was good at soccer, but I was always the first one to the ball. <laughs> then I get to yeah. the ball, and I was like, what do you do with the ball? <laughs> there. Eventually, by the time I get to high school, everyone's just telling me, like, you know, you need to go out for track. You need to go out for track. I didn't really listen until a PE teacher told me. And so I finally did. And then I realized winning is a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually, my high school coach sat me down and told me I could do this in college. And that was not even, college for me, I never even really thought about it until my high school coach had started telling me, like, this is something you can do in college. No one, even my foster parents, they were great people, but they were military and didn't really value the educational system. So really all I had heard was, you can go into the military. We would really support and respect that or um, go into a trade school, learn some kind of trade. But education really wasn't a part of the conversation ever happening in my household. 
So even in that, you know, I, I understand when now students come and maybe they were against the grain in their household when maybe having people tell them you're wasting your time and you don't need books because I would hear those things. So anyways, I guess all I can say is there's certainly things that I did in my life, but there's so much to be thankful for just being put in those circles of people that valued education, valued hard work, valued discipline and the things that I needed to really embrace to get to the levels of college graduation, Olympic trials, and um, career after. So then I earned a Fulbright scholarship to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and I did not know what I was doing when I got there. <laughs> I no longer was in this element where I could walk into a classroom and ace an exam. I found that all of my classmates were smarter than me even, and much better at everything that was going on. And the first year there, I survived, but barely. And I was running slower than I did when I was in high school. And I was barely staying eligible. And so I was going into my sophomore year, knowing that, I don't know, my confidence was just so low. I didn't feel like I was an athlete anymore, didn't feel like I was good in the classroom anymore. And I just felt like I needed to leave. So honestly, when I left Cal Poly, I was leaving with the intention of just not going back to college. And again, you have to remember, I'm coming from a household where when people are checking in with you, they're just telling you, get out of there. Like, this is a waste of time. This is a waste of right. effort. No one needs college. So there was no encouragement about, like, let's stick to it. Let's see what's going on. How can we help you? Where can you go with this? Yeah. You know, because again, it was a system that they didn't even understand. So they weren't ever right. going to be able to tell me what I needed to do differently right. to be successful. Right. Right. Um, so I left there thinking that I was going to go into the military because also my dad had planted that seed, like, oh, just go go into the Air Force. You'll have a career. You'll be fine. And so left Cal Poly thinking that that's what I was going to do. And when I left Cal Poly, people saw that, like, in the NCAA system and started recruiting me. So <laughs> reached out and said, hey, what's going on? So at the time, Scott Abbott was a coach here at mm -hmm. Tech State, and he just asked me what my plans were, and I said, not to run, <laughs> and to go, go to the military. And he said, well, why don't you come out to Sac Sacramento, and we'll show you the campus, and we'll, we'll see what you think. And so I did that. I liked the trees a lot. Right. And <laughs> he was just so kind and nurturing mm -hmm. and understanding like there was just definitely a immediate connection there encouragement he, he just said let's give it one more try let's see what we can do here you know talent doesn't go away right so come to Sac State we'll see what we can do and if right. you know what number two you still don't have it whatever mm -hmm. military is still there you can go back mm -hmm. and so got to Sac State I still really wasn't doing that great but one thing I will say, like I was just still acting like a freshman where you're not, you're missing some of your classes because you have this overconfidence that you're a good test taker. So you can just mm -hmm. take a test and it'll be okay. Yeah. Or, you know, just maybe I'm even on my phone in the back of the class or something and only tuning in when I felt like it. That coach actually received a proxy report from up in the start about my attendance or even maybe a distraction on a phone in class. And he confronted me on it. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first time 
anyone had brought up what I was doing poorly. Um, it terrified me. When he sat me down and said, hey, you changed schools. And what makes you think that you are going to get a different result when you're doing everything here that you were doing there? Mm-hmm. And I think like light bulb went on. I mean, that sounds like common sense, but light bulb went on for the first time. Like, you're right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm totally not paying attention in class or I'm not there. And um, because I was terrified from that point forward, I started going to every class, sitting in the front row. And also befriending even my teammates that were good students, they really did a lot to um, help train me in what they were doing, like seeing their daily life of what does studying look like? What does note-taking look like? What does preparing for an exam look like? I didn't see those, how other people were doing that until I started getting closer to teammates and taking my career as a student seriously like before i think i just thought i was the result of i don't know like you're a victim in your classroom and whatever happens to you happens to you you'll either sink or swim but they really taught me how to take control of my situation by using everything that is given to me yeah you know um a couple of you you said a lot there yeah Yeah. sorry go which is great (laughs) so i want to sort of unpack a couple little ideas that i heard specifically and one big idea was taking control Mm -hmm. that you realized that you were the one who had control whether it was really over your running and how you were training and how you're performing, and how you also were performing in the classroom. So recognizing that internal locus of control, that internal control, that's number one. Number two, choice. You made some critical choices, and some of that was to pay attention to somebody that talked to you honestly, and you felt cared about you enough to talk to you honestly and the other choice too is and people do this is you chose to surround yourself with people who were successful Mm -hmm. maybe you can expand on that a little bit in terms of feeling that sense of control and choice yeah i think again that coach was just key in getting me to sit down and realize that choice that's that's where it started um, but then, I mean, I can't say what in myself realized, like, okay, I have a choice in this. I don't know what it really was where I finally realized, like, okay, I'm going to try something different. Maybe it was, I had to feel like Cal Poly mm-hmm. um, in order to realize, like, okay, I have a choice to do something different and get a different result. Once I made that decision and started walking through the process of studying every day, going to every class. You see the results when you take the first exam and you're like, what? (laughs) I got an A? And you act like it's some kind of miracle, but that's a positive affirmation that encourages then like, wow, this is happening. But even in that, you know, I think it's still just this long-term goal, right? So it's still needing to adopt this sense of belief of I can do this, I can make the finish line. There's going to be four years of this. I don't expect it to ever get easier. And being encouraged by the results that reflect your hard work and not being discouraged when it 
doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, but still finding a way to keep pressing on. And again, I think that the circles that I was in motivated students and um, Sark mm-hmm. <laughs> and even um, my coach putting myself with people that have eyes for whatever it is I had going on in my life that I need to be done with any distractions, mm-hmm. people that were going to be honest with me, hold me accountable and still encourage me. And you can step into this positive current, yeah. you know, it, um, that is also what carries you. Mm-hmm. So making even the choice in that to not be with people that didn't want to go anywhere. I think that's such a critical piece mm-hmm. for students and student athletes, of course, to realize that when you get immersed into a university environment, you don't have to necessarily be subject to everything that's coming at you. You can decide, I'm going to associate with sitting in front row of class. I'm going to show up for this opportunity in the best way that I can by surrounding myself with resources. So like this arc, like that coach that was honest with you, which I had that moment as well in my first year. And the coach kind of brought me in and said, we didn't put you on scholarship for you to get that GPA. And I, you know, same, same mode where you realize that you can make small decisions that aren't aren't painful and that aren't going to be, you know, anything past what you're capable of. But these small decisions and small habits that start to kind of create can lead you to this new pattern to develop and to become successful. Even because, like you said, just that small taste of success, like getting an A on a quiz, or having a coach reaffirm you, like, hey, you did, you showed up well today. Mm-hmm. Like, that has some, and being an athlete, oh, we love that. We love that feedback. Oh, yeah. So give us more, and that kind of puts you on a track for some incredible things that happen in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in working with the athletes now, um, I can't tell you, like, every kid that walks into the office, they're talented. That's why they, that's how they got here. And so it's to let them know like, Hey, talent is awesome, but it will only take you so far. It took me all the way to Cal Poly on the full ride scholarship. And then, you know, at what point then do you have to start making decisions about how you're going to manage this talent mm-hmm. and use what you think of it? And if you have no clue, cause I honestly, at Cal Poly, I really, mm, I had a lot of pride and no clue. Um, so what are you going to do to find out what you need to know? So I think humility comes, mm. you're realizing like, <laughs> I come out of high school, I might not know everything I need to know in this world. <laughs> well, along those lines too, I, when you're talking, I love how you said, you know, you have talent, everybody's talented, but talent doesn't necessarily ensure success. Right. It's got to be talent and. Mm-hmm. And uh, some things that maybe I'd like you to, talk about as well is especially I think as a first generation college student we know that you actually can do well maybe Mm -hmm. academically you can struggle but you have the resilience and the grit and the hardiness to work through and that actually is good sports wise so you had talent in that way to go to college and you had talent as an athlete but you had to add some other things to it can you talk about did you see that aspect of yourself when you came to college and um i think that 
what helped me again was coming to Sacramento State and being in that track and field program. They did a very good job of emphasizing process goals and teaching me what a process was truly supposed to look like. And so even though I always set the goals of how fast I wanted to run, what kind of GPA I wanted, I didn't know necessarily what did the daily grind look like for the Mm. athlete that actually does those things. And so aside from getting marks because you can post a mark on the wall, but, you know, I I think I am even (laughs) remembering um, looking at, you know, Olympic level athletes, I see their huge muscles and realizing first time that they don't get that overnight, like in one workout, mm-hmm. right? Like that is something that has developed over the course of their life. And so realizing, ooh, when I skipped out on my ab workout after practice, probably wasn't serving myself. And so changing my goals from being just these time goals, but to what does today need to look like? And taking control, even like setting the whole schedule of what today looks like academically, sleep, diet. I mean, being a Division One athlete, being an Olympic level athlete, you have to order your life from start to finish, from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, and then do it again the next day. I never did that. I just kind of walked out into the world and whatever the day brought me, brought me and got some decent results but if you are going to hone in and get the most out of yourself it's everything mm-hmm. and even for a student you know like yeah. when I improved my diet in college I was able to stay awake and be alert in class that was another issue early issue is not eating right to finish your practice and you sleep on your desk in front of your professor. So now your relationships are like <laughs> yeah, as a professor at a college having yeah. student athletes. That is one of the things that I that that I don't care if a student athlete or whatever. I just it, that's very disrespectful. And uh, if you are that fatigued, then don't come to class. But mm-hmm. don't do that because it's a distraction to the professor and to the rest of the class. So yeah, absolutely. And there's things like that, like even realizing importance of relationships with professors. Mm-hmm. When I got to Sac State. Um, and I'm sleeping on my desk in front of a geology professor, and I'm also not doing well in the class, it's going to be a different response for the student that goes there and has been trying hard and sitting in the front row. There's going to be a little more more mercy or help available to them at the end of the semester than for the athlete that slept in front of them the entire semester and now wants their help Mm -hmm. before the final. Um, So, again, I think it was um, just learning that being a student, being an athlete, being successful, it's not the switch that you turn on and off. You can't, there's no um, time card that you get to punch mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is just a full-time gig all the time. Sleep is even serious, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just the holistic approach. And as, you know, as an 18-year-old starting out, you don't necessarily are always look at that big picture and that every single thing that you do is going to contribute to how you feel, how you perform, how you are able to achieve those goals in the classroom and on the track or on the field or whatnot. So it's really an interesting process of reflection and starting to realize, oh, if I get eight hours of sleep, I feel better or I don't fall asleep in in class and that's something that I reflect on as a former athlete all the time my nutrition it wasn't 
sad, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And so it's that whole analogy of like, if you are, if I was a Maserati car, I was putting the lowest grade gasoline and fuel in this car. Right. Right. Yeah. So you have to, no matter that talent, you have to service yourself with, with the best that you possibly can at that point in time, because they're just small adjustments. Right. But it's just getting to the realization that those small adjustments make huge impacts. And being patient, you know, mm-hmm. and having the buy-in because it's yeah. like, I can't tell you even working with the athletes now and encouraging them to sleep more, it's still going to be a while before you actually feel better. So you still have to believe like I am doing what is good for me. And I'm believing this because people that believe in me are telling me that this is good to eventually just be patient until you do see the results. Right. Because if you, if you have one good week of sleep and then you still feel tired and things still aren't going well and you give up, like, yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to see the result. You talked about taking it even to the next level. So you were good in high school, you were good in somebody, and somebody told you, you knew you were good, but somebody also said, you know, you're good enough to do that, and you took a leap, you stumbled, you fell, you figured some stuff out, and then you took it even to the next level. Mm-hmm. So talk about that. Yeah. So when I transferred from Cal Poly to Sac State, there was a time period even where I needed to sit out and... Mm-hmm. I was confronted with two seasons, you know, so it was like I had one season I competed in college and now I have two seasons left. And so I'm also sitting there realizing like, okay, if I'm going to do something with this, I really don't have that much time. And when you come into a program, you, there's also an an adjustment just even with, um, sometimes you get worse again before you get better. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be that first, again, like freshman year experience almost that you're having before you actually see yourself running fast or um, doing well in school. Again, I had just at that point fallen so hard (laughs) and knew I did not like that. I bought into this process of every day doing something that will make me better. And I was for the first time with my teammates, with even the girls that I was living with at the time, I I lived with um, three other distance runners that one of them had actually transferred from the University of Oregon and had a very similar experience. So it was so helpful for me too, because she was coming in. University of Oregon as a runner, that's like big time. She, exactly. Yeah, because... so, so what I'm going to tell you right now is <laughs> she was bringing this work ethic from the University of Oregon into my home. Mm-hmm. And I saw this girl foam rolling every night. I saw her, you know, being diligent about her diet and when she was, when she, not only what she was eating, but when she was eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so timing of food, that was like mind blown. Yeah. And so realizing too, that these things, cause I came to Sac State and I became a nutrition major and I studied the things, but I didn't actually apply them. <laughs> but then when I saw that she was doing what I was learning in my classroom, I was like, maybe there's like, yeah, something into it. it. Yeah. yeah. And so I started even using some of the things that I was learning in my classroom, trying to apply that in my life. I am so thankful to her because, again, she showed me everything that you do not see on competition day. She showed me the behind the scenes that I might read about in a book, but I didn't see anyone necessarily um, doing that. The application of it. Mm -hmm. You know? And so... 
I started trying to step into her shoes. I knew I was very talented, but now stepping into her shoes and walking that walk as someone that's serious about what they're doing, um, that was, it was hard. It's uncomfortable when it's not how you pattern your life. You know, like you've been going to bed earlier, two hours earlier, one hour earlier. It's hard for a while. And so you can adjust and go to sleep or ice baths. <laughs> I was not into that. <laughs> but one thing you can't deny is all the top athletes are sitting in ice bath after their heart training sessions. So what made me think that I was so talented that I could not, I didn't need the ice bath. Right. Um, so that process was a painful process. It's not a comfortable process. Right. Everything that I was doing, I literally had to change. I don't think there was anything I was doing right. I had to totally like repattern or rewire everything. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that ever felt natural. Mm -hmm. So I think even when I'm working with athletes, I'm a coach now mm -hmm. of high school. It's like, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. In the moment you get comfortable, you got to change something so you can continue to improve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you took it now. Um, and well, the other thing too, that comes through really clearly is people who do well ask for, and accept help and recognize it. So that came through very clearly. Now, how did you go from college, boom, to the next level? Yeah, so track and field is um, nice because it's just cut and dry, times are times, mm -hmm. they don't lie. And in my senior year of school, I ran the fastest time in the 800 in the country. And so, that showed people like, oh, here's a girl at Sex State who's kind of fast. <laughs> because also no one had done that oh, in that event. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, then I, um, so performing well here and going to the NCAA championships, that's how I got noticed. And then entering professional sports was crazy because I, again, now I'm entering another world that I know nothing about at all. And so you're, you are playing a trust game, um, oftentimes just learning about the sport and um, agents are a big part of it. You know, you have to sign with an agent and then sign with a shoe company. And I had no idea what I was doing even in that. Um, so use the same model, which was um, connect myself to people that I see are successful, may have had a reputable um, journey here because another thing you're working with is in our sport people use drugs and things and I don't want to get stuck in you know like a yeah, dirty yeah. circle yeah and so I'm looking for things like people that stand for the same values that I stand for that will help guide me in my process because I think that's another temptation it's now you've reached the top and you can certainly keep climbing the ladder the right or the wrong way and um yeah, it was uh, totally scary, but it turned out well. Mm -hmm. And I signed a um, contract with Nike in my senior year, and I trained with them through two Olympic cycles, retired in 2016. Wow, so. that is mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah. It was crazy, you know? <laughs> it really was, because I, at no point on my little goal list did I ever think I was going to be yeah. doing that. So, yeah. But you put yourself in places with people and in situations 
that brought you there. It isn't that you just woke up and said, hey, I want to do this. You mm -hmm. set the tone. Yeah. And um, I do have to also just acknowledge that, you know, when we're talking specifically with athletes in these podcasts, but in other, you know, areas, could be business, could be mm -hmm. academics or whatever, I hear over and over again that there is this notion of tying yourself to successful people yeah. Yeah, and recognizing. So, you know, some of the work I do is dealing with trauma and looking at post-traumatic growth, obviously. And one of the things that's very interesting to me is people will ask me, um, well, do you, do you talk to people who don't do well? And I said, um, not really, because, you know, that's not as interesting or I don't think as productive as talking to people. Tell me you're successful. Tell me how you did that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're, you talk about that over and over again. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think like, again, it was always like finding someone that I respected that I knew knew more than me about the life sport school. I was close to my professors. I developed those relationships here at Sac State. Um, and I just, <laughs> it certainly never helped when they were, or hurt me when they were pouring into me, you yeah. know? And um, I do remember early on though, kind of like having that pride, like kind of like me against the world, you know, mm. like people are out to get me or something. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Um, where it, it took me time to trust people and to allow them to realize, you know, for the most part, they want to see me do well. There's not a lot of haters out there that were just <laughs> hating on me. Yeah. I mean, maybe in my, my siblings, you know, like yeah. your, your brother is always telling you, you're never going to be anything. Or, yeah. He's going to tell you that one thing that he knows is going to get yeah, out of your skin. Getcha. But um, for the most part, especially coming into the division one level where it is a business and the coach is going to do better. If you're doing better, mm -hmm. you have to trust them. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of similarly go along those lines, it wasn't that, you know, someone probably looked at your accolades and was like, wow, you know, she did it. She made it. But when you fell down or when you failed, Something pulled you back up, and it seemed that you were, of course, developing or honing into resiliency, and not only resiliency within yourself, but the others, as far as your mentors that were picking you up and pulling you through, and it seemed like that kind of honestly was with you throughout your career all the way up until you retired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I could take credit for a lot of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a lot of it is just uh, grace from God. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of it is um, the people that were in my life telling me I could do it when I felt like I couldn't. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And how, you know, kind of. There is a responsibility that you have yeah. to say yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But say, okay, I'm not just going to lay on my back here and spin around in a circle while your hand is extended I'm going to grab onto it but I still have to say that I'm so thankful for the circles I was put in that kept like pulling me into the right places mm -hmm. do you think in your head being a first generation college student or being an athlete or maybe there is a combination of both were the things that really put inside you this again this notion of 
yes, you fell, but you picked yourself up. And, you know, being a foster child, being adopted, can you maybe address that a little bit in terms of your six, how that helped you? Um, yeah, I think, um, I think it was helpful to me growing up that everything that I was always doing was not familiar to my family. And so it kind of equipped me that I was always going to be different, that I was always going to, like, again, no one in my family cared about food, fitness, health. They put me in soccer, but mm-hmm. they didn't know. What, they just saw me run around. They didn't know what position mm-hmm. I was playing. <laughs> they, even when I, they rarely came to track competitions in high school. And I actually think that that was a very good thing for me because I knew I needed to be doing this for myself. Um, and I was doing it because I was enjoying it and because I was successful. It was my thing mm-hmm. versus even now when I'm working at the high school, sometimes I see like helicopter parents and I can't tell if the kid is doing it because right. it's what the parent mm-hmm. wants or as they want. And so it was developing like an internal motivation mm-hmm. that I, I think someone has to develop for themselves. Like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. I was doing it because I had gotten to where I realized that people that were living the kinds of lives that I wanted to one day live, they had educations. My family didn't have money, so how was I going to get this education? Well, now I have this talent that my coach is telling me that can get me that education, so I knew that that was something that I wanted in my life. So I think that being first generation, even though it's like some people might look at it as being underserved or underprivileged. It was a very good thing because it was something that I had to develop for myself. Mm-hmm. And so it served me probably greater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I can clearly see, you know, that this all is still very much a part of you and how you still address life and how you work with student athletes. So I kind of want to take it to when you knew that this sport that had shaped you or helped you and carried you through all of your, you know, teenage years and through your college years and through Olympic cycles, what did it look like on the other side of that when you realized you were going to say goodbye to the sport in a professional sense? Yeah. Um, one thing I'll say is it was hard. <laughs> you know, I trained at a very high level for over a decade. I had no confusion. I was ready. <laughs> I, I was more like, I don't know if I can make it another cycle, which is what led me to um, retire. So that's that's interesting. I still have friends that were, are competing on the circuit and still pursuing this 2020 games. And, of course, they go back and forth if they need to, like, tie it up and hang it up. Or not, and I said, no, don't do it until you know that that mm-hmm. is that it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't know, stay in it, whatever, because the light might come on and mm-hmm. it might be your year. And for me, I felt like I gave it my all. <laughs> yeah, I really left it all out there on the track, and um, I was okay. And I, I honestly didn't miss the competition of it anymore. I was ready to revisit it from. A different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very 
excited when I was at bacon and butter one day mm-hmm. and I ran into the head football coach and he's like, Hey, what are you up to? And it was like a day after I retired. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, so he encouraged me to come back over and talk mm-hmm. to you guys up in the start. And it just, um, it's an environment with, um, this totally inspirational. Every kid that's walking into that office, they don't know what they're doing. So tell, what is SARC? You've mentioned that. So what is SARC? Oh, SARC is our Student Athlete Resource Center. And so it was my lifeline while I was at Sac State as I'm trying to figure out how do I take notes? <laughs> Where can I find tutors to help me get through those classes? Um, and so it, it already felt like home. It was a very natural place for me to be. And the idea of being on the other side and being able to give student athletes the perspective that mm-hmm. I now had, um, which is not every exam is the end of the world and not every race is the end of the world. That sounded so cool to me, you know, because it was like my whole life had trained me in this. Mm-hmm. And so that was an easy transition, honestly, to make. And it, it has inspired me to go further and pursue my master's in psychology and you know, yeah, I, I'm very thankful for you guys. <laughs> We're happy to have you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending your time and what a story. Yeah. And there's still more to tell. You still have more to tell as you get your master's and move on. Yeah. Still more to tell. So thank you so much for taking yeah. your time. Thank you thank so much. You. If you or someone you know is struggling with school, academics, sports-related issues, please, Don't wait for the situation to get out of control, or worse. You are the most important part of this university. Your well-being is our concern and focus. Call 916-278-6461 today. Speak with a student counselor and get direction on where you can find help. You can also visit The Well for one-on-one counseling. If you or someone you know may be contemplating personal harm or harming others, immediately call 911 or 800-273-8255. You are not alone. Athletes Interrupted was made possible by a grant from the NCAA to support the development of well-being and resilience in student-athletes both during college and after graduation. This program was developed and research conducted by Dr. Joyce Michael Flynn and Bethany Crouch. Dr. Michael Flynn is currently a professor at Sacramento State, is a nurse practitioner, and has created a system of recovery from trauma focused on post-traumatic growth. She lectures extensively on metahabilitation, is an author, and an expert on post-traumatic growth and the subsequent rehabilitation. Bethany Crouch is Student Athlete Development and Academic Success Coordinator at her alma mater, Sacramento State. She spent 12 years in competitive gymnastics having reached level 10 as well as competing at the NCAA collegiate level. Injury ended her athletic career but guided her to her ultimate professional goal as an athletic advisor specializing in student-athlete development.